name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the, his, the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Well, has anybody here ever gone birding before? Any birders out there? No? That's good. Well, birding, if you're not familiar with the term, is going out into nature and uh, looking for birds and trying to identify them. And uh, to be a good birder, you really have to have good eyes. Uh, Not just eyesight, but you need to know what to look for. Uh, my brother Michael went to Africa for a semester in college, and uh, while he was there, he took a class on birds and uh, spent a lot of time birding there. And uh, then he came back and was really gung-ho about birding, so I decided I was going to go with him. And uh, we went out birding, and I'm looking for birds, and then he's like, there, there's an Oriole up in the tree there. And I'm looking around, where, where is it? It's, it's right there, just see it, it's right there. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Where, where is it? It's right there in the tree. I said, where? And he's like, now it's gone. I, I didn't know what to look for. But he would go into, you know, the forest, and he would hear the birds. He would know where to look for them. He would know the difference between a branch that was kind of jostling because of the wind and a, and a branch that was jostling because a bird was there. And so over time, I got to know what to look for. I got to have kind of my eyes trained to see the things that I needed to see to be able to bird. In the passage that we're looking at today that I just read, we meet a man who had developed his eyes. He developed his eyes to see the things that were important. He's described in this passage as being righteous and devout. It says in the text, he was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. This was a difficult time in Israel's history. God had not spoken in the last 400 years. He had gone silent. And during this time frame, they were under the Roman oppression and they longed for the days when the Messiah would come and he would make all things right. He would help them overthrow the Romans. He would establish his kingdom. And once again, Israel would be the center of the world. Israel would be the place where God's glory dwelt. And so people, the righteous, longed for that day. And Simeon waited for that day. And he waited and he waited. The text indicates that he was very old. And so he kept waiting. And finally, the Holy Spirit led him into the temple. We don't know how he knew to go into the temple, but somehow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, led him into the temple. And he goes right up to Jesus and Mary and Joseph. 
And he's overjoyed that he's seen God's salvation. He says, Lord, now now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Simeon saw baby Jesus and that was enough for him. He said, I've seen the salvation of the Lord and now I can die in peace. It's amazing faith that he was looking for the Messiah for so long. And now the expectation, the hopes are realized in Jesus. But what's equally surprising is how many people missed Jesus. I mean, how many other people were going into the temple? How many people did Mary and Joseph and Jesus pass by as they were going into the temple? As Jesus grew up and he spent time in the temple with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, how many people missed the significance of who he was? As he began to teach and do miracles, how many people failed to see the significance of who he was and what he came to do? They didn't have eyes to see. They weren't looking for the right things. They didn't see the significance of baby Jesus. And I think the same thing is true of many of us in our culture today. Many people pass by Christmas and don't see the significance of it. In our country, about 90% of people uh, celebrate Christmas, about 95% of Christians. But research shows, according to the Pew Research Center, that religion's role in Christmas is declining. According to the Pew Research Center, the new survey finds that 46% of Americans say they celebrate uh, Christmas as primarily a religious rather than cultural holiday, down from 51% who said this in 2013. Millennials are less likely than, than other adults to say they celebrate Christmas in a religious way. And while a majority of U.S. adults also say religious aspects of Chris, Christmas are emphasized less in American society today than in the past, relatively, relatively few are bothered by this trend. So the idea that Christmas is a religious holiday is something that's losing significance. But I think that only tells part of the story. There are many people who have this vague idea of what Christmas is, that Christmas is about Jesus. I think it's kind of personified in the lyrics of the Goo Goo Dolls song, Better Days, and they say, and there's one poor child who saved this world, and there's 10 million more who probably could. I mean, it's a cute story. That Christmas is a cute story about a baby who came to the earth to live a life of love, to show people how to be nice to each other, and it's a cute little story. Even among Christians, Christmas often gets put to the wayside. We get busy with parties and presents and all different things that we're doing, and sometimes we might feel like we've lost our way. When we're children, we, or many of us, look forward to Christmas. I remember when I was a little kid, Christmas was one of my favorite times of the year. I looked forward to the parties and the presents and the food and, and, and everything about it. But as we grow older, sometimes those things begin to change. Sometimes Christmas becomes a reminder that there's an empty chair that our loved one used to sit in. Sometimes Christmas becomes a reminder of mistakes that we've made. Sometimes Christmas becomes a reminder that we don't have the money that we need or that we want to buy things for other people. Sometimes Christmas is a reminder that while other people are busy going to parties and going to and fro, we feel like we're all alone. For some of us, Christmas is just another chore. 
That by the time we get done with all the things that we need to do, buying presents, traveling, going to parties, we just feel worn out. Now Christmas can evoke many different emotions for us. That's just natural. It can mean different things to us depending on where we are in our life. But I hope that maybe we could step back for just a few minutes and talk about Christmas. And talk about how we should see Christmas, how we should view Christmas through the eyes of Scripture. So that we could see a clear vision of what Christmas is about. And if we're going to do that, we need to see that Christmas is about a light shining into the darkness. Jesus is that light. He's the one who came to the earth, earth, the hope of the world. The text that we're looking at today says that Jesus is a light of revelation to the Gentiles. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now when we speak of darkness, darkness represents life lived apart from God. The famous film director Stanley Kubrick, who is not a believer, explained his view of life. He said, the very meaningless of life forces man to create his own meaning. The most terrifying fact about the universe is not that it's hostile, but that it's indifferent. However vast the darkness, we must supply our own light. Basically, what Kubrick is saying is life has no meaning. There is no God. And because of that, we need to be our own gods. We must seek to live life on our own terms. We must be the light. And as we do that, as we try to be our own gods, inevitably it leads to more and more darkness because that's a place we were never meant to be. And so as we inhabit that role, it leads to darkness, it leads to sin, it leads to brokenness, and it leads to more darkness. And that's the situation that Jesus came into. Darkness. And Jesus came into that darkness to rescue us from that darkness. To lead us out from that darkness. But the thing about darkness is that sometimes darkness is nice in that it hides some things. This past summer, I did some painting. And uh, I was painting over at the parsonage. And the lighting wasn't that great. And we were doing some painting at nighttime. I remember the one night I painted the hallway... And uh, I, I knew it probably needed a little touch-up here and there, but I thought it was pretty good. Then I came the next day, and it looked like a child had done it. There were spots all over the place that I had missed because I couldn't see. Light exposes imperfections. And Jesus, as the light of the world, does the same thing. His perfect character, the way He loved God, the way He loved people, When He shines His light, it exposes how far we as people fall short. And sometimes that can be scary. The U.S. writer and preacher Frederick Brucher once said, if there is a terror about darkness because we cannot see, there is also a terror about light because we can see. There is terror about about light because of what we see in the light about ourselves and our world that we would rather not see. This is why... The passage, in the passage that we read in verse 34, it says that Jesus is appointed for the fall of many who are in, his, in Israel and a sign that is to be opposed. 
Jesus was and is opposed by people who would rather live in darkness rather than come to light. People who would rather be their own master and own Lord of their lives rather than come to the light. But Jesus came to the earth as the light, but he didn't come to the earth just to expose people's sin and to condemn them. He came to the earth to shine light into people's hearts so that they might be free. So that they wouldn't have to live in the darkness anymore. His is a light that brings healing, a light that brings purification. And so for those who come to light, Jesus shines his light into our hearts and he makes us new and he leads us out of that darkness into eternal life and into light. And so that's the good news of Christmas, that Christ was that light in the darkness. We no longer have to stumble about in darkness. We no longer have to go our own way. And Jesus modeled what it looked like to be light and to live a life that's honoring to God, to loving to people. But we also see that as Jesus came to the earth, he defeated the darkness. It's interesting how the writers of the Gospels and Jesus describe what happened in the crucifixion. Luke chapter 22, verse 53, when the religious leaders are coming to arrest Jesus, Jesus says this, When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. In Luke chapter 23, verse 44, when Jesus is on the cross, it says it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. See, when Jesus was crucified, it seemed like darkness had won. It seemed like sin and the grave had won. It seemed like the baby that was born in the stable 30-some years prior had succumbed to the wrath of the masses. One more righteous man had died. And yet three days later, Jesus rose again from the grave, defeating sin and death. Defeating the grave, defeating darkness. And now he calls people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to come out from the light. To see life as it was meant to be. To see the light. And the reason that Christmas is so beautiful is because when we see Christmas for what it truly is, we realize that we don't have to live in darkness anymore. The thing about the light and the darkness is we need to choose whether we're going to live in the light, come into the light, or whether we're going to live in the darkness. H.G. Wells, the author of the book The Invisible Man, The War of the Worlds, and some other uh, books wrote a short story and this short story was called the country of the blind it talked about this fictional uh, luxurious valley in ecuador and in this valley people were blind everyone was blind and they had been blind for generation after generation after generation in fact for 15 generations and one day this stranger stumbled into the village he had fall, fell off a cliff and wandered into the village and he started to tell people about it, what it was like to see. And so he started to gain some interest, and a couple of people kind of paid attention to him. But in the end, they thought he was crazy. As he told about seeing all these different things, they just thought he was insane. After some time, he fell in love with a young girl. But the young girl's father was very suspicious about him. And so this this uh, father named Jacob went to his doctor 
to talk about what he should do about this man who wanted to marry his daughter. And here's the conversation that ensued. The doctor said, I think I may say with reasonable certainty that in order to cure him complete, all that we need to do is a simple and easy surgical procedure, namely to remove these irritant bodies, his eyes. And then he will be sane, they asked. Then he will be perfectly sane and quite admirable citizen. Thank heaven for science, said Yaakov. Wells goes on to point out that this man had a choice. He could either marry Yaakov's daughter and submit to this procedure to remove his eyes, or he had to leave. As he went through this decision and agonized over this decision, Wells writes this, He had fully meant to go to a lonely place where the meadows were beautiful with white narcissists and there remain until the hour of his sacrifice should come. But as he walked, he lifted up his eyes and saw the morning, the morning like an angel in golden armor, marching down the steeps. It seemed to him that before this splendor, he he and this blind world in the valley and his love and all were no more than a pit of sin. And the man who could see escaped the country of the blind with his life. We have a choice to make. Are we going to live in the darkness, remain in the darkness, or are we going to come to the light? Some of us are here, and we've maybe never entered into a relationship with Christ. And maybe our life is characterized by walking around in darkness. We've maybe tried different things to satisfy the hole in our hearts. But as we do that, we find that we feel more empty as time goes on. And our life kind of spirals more and more into darkness. If that's you today, you can experience the light of Christmas. You don't have to walk in darkness anymore because Jesus came to the earth because he loved you. Because he didn't want you to live in darkness anymore. Because he wanted to bring you to light. And ultimately, he wanted to bring you to himself so that you could spend forever with him. And if you're here today, you've never entered into a relationship with Christ. After, after we sing, just a few minutes, Patrick's going to lead you in how you might enter into a relationship with Christ. But for those of us who are believers, let this Christmas be a reminder of the light that shines into darkness. And as believers, let us remember not to run back to the darkness. Let us not return to our old ways. Let us not return to those things that will ultimately not satisfy us. But let's live in the light of Christ. I'd like to close by reading a scripture, and then after that we'll light the candles together. And we'll sing one last song. John 1, 5-7 says this. 1 John 1, 5-7. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you. That God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Let's continue worshiping and praising the light of the world who came for us.